to the Stranger Still <laughs> podcast. My name's Kathleen. And I'm Miles. And we are reviewing each episode of season four. Um, now, everybody who's listening right now, this is a rewatch. So this episode may contain some spoilers for all of Stranger Things seasons one through four. Yep. Special alert to that. I will have some season four encompassing points to make. Watch season four. Come back to us for the rewatch. Yes. All right, follow us on Twitter at StrangerStill22. Subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's roll. Miles What's... did a little dance there as we <laughs> went along. What's the worst that could happen? Play too much Nintendo, smoke some ganja, pound some beers, experiment sexually, and review season four, chapter three, The Monster yeah, and baby. the Superhero. I was going to be touching on that line, one, my favorite line from this episode, and you just ripped it away from me but i put it in the prime spot because mm. when i say when i do those intros that's also the little blurb to our podcast on apple spotify anchor wherever you get podcasts so i've highlighted that line i think in a respectful appropriate way i disagree okay okay <laughs> chapter three it starts in ruth nevada miller well, the military is visiting the house, but we don't know that at first. We get like a little alien invasion moment. Yeah. We got a, a woman we don't know. She's in a 80, classic 1980s suburban kitchen. About to be abducted. Filled with the bright lights and the sky and, and just reflecting all over the kitchenware. Pretty cool little fake out there you know, in a show that doesn't get to have actual aliens. Now, how surprised were you that this scene was centered around Owens? Uh, yeah, that is. I had no idea who this lady was. I certainly didn't think this is going to be Owens' wife. I did. I feel like almost teared out loud because I love Owens. I was really looking forward to seeing him in season four. So I was just thrilled that he was back. Yeah, and he's but he's not happy to see Sullivan, no. <laughs> Colonel Sullivan. We meet the the other side of this operation, and he said he comes in there and he's. Giving Owens the download that, hey, you know, there's these deaths in Hawkins, Fred and Chrissy. There's no bruises, no signs of any struggle. It's as if her attacker was a ghost. And Owens is like, what are you talking to me? I'm fired. And, you know, this opening scene was really unique in comparison to other opening scenes. Uh, whereas I, I feel like normally we have these just, you know, big like ooh ah moments where this I, f I we really delved into um 11 and hawkins and uh you know what is basically going to be happening in all of season four all in the opening scene the dialogue between owens and sullivan is just really interesting yeah. um yeah we're seeing this split of military versus science that is, you know, the story of the 20th and the 21st century. I mean, Sullivan directly says it's men of science like you who created this problem in the first place. Mm -hmm. Conveniently overlooking that I'm sure the military wasn't super bummed about Brenner's remote assassination project. The military's right. like, oh, what were you doing? Like, okay. <laughs> and, you know, um, I know you still kind of have had this fear that Owens was going to end up turning into a bad guy, mm -hmm. but he gives a line uh, that it just makes you know that he's not. He really is on 11 side because he says that line, something is going on in this town that nobody, yeah. nobody fully comprehends. And like that 
admission right there mm-hmm. just tells you like, okay, he is on, he is on Hawkins yes. side. That's such a theme of season four. Sullivan, Jason, later Vecna, you know, all the, all the antagonists think they've got everything figured out. Whereas our heroes, Nancy, Dustin, Owens, they know they don't know everything. Yeah. And they're saying, you know, wait, wait we got to, it doesn't make sense, but let's try to put the pieces together. You know, it's a very big theme of, of Stranger Things, Stranger Things 4. And that's why the Duffer Brothers are so amazing because they keep truth and honesty and reality in their show. Yeah. And we set up this great split that the military thinks Eleven is the one doing these killings, killing Chrissy, killing Fred, and Owens is thinking, uh-oh. Uh, watching this on a rewatch, Knowing that Owens knows what happened, that he that he knows, and again, spoiler alerts, this <laughs> you have to have watched season four to see this rewatch. Knowing that Owens knows that Eleven sent Henry back through that gate and that yeah. Brenner has been looking for Henry, when he first sees those pictures, when you rewatch it, you go, Oh, Owens knows immediately what this is yeah. and what needs to be done. And I found that very rewarding on the rewatch. Gosh, I didn't even think as I was rewatching this episode in preparation for our podcast today. I, d- <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Wow. Okay. All well, right. let's head on over to Rinkamania. Rinkamania. Yeah, we'll go to California. Uh, we are. Oh, well, we're leaving the Rinkomania, right? We're driving back. Yeah. Oh, well, wait, no, they no. do show the scene of Angela oh. <laughs> and, yes. uh, you know, being tended by the paramedics and then the whole rink of mania just sitting in yeah. quiet Contemplation. Contemplation. <laughs> the, pa- the paramedic asking Angela, where does it hurt? <laughs> and then he calls her sweetie. Like, that paramedic, get out of here. The Bad paramedicizing. Is, I, I don't know. I think that's a realistic touch. Eh, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, like good. It. You shouldn't like it. Eleven's not happy. Mike's not happy. Will's not happy. Argo and Jonathan, are co- they're cool. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're super high when they pick them up because remember in the previous episode, they've just smoked a bunch of the... Purple palm tree delight. Purple palm tree delight. And the way that they're disgusting, the roller skate attack is just brilliant. It's so funny. At least it wasn't an ice skate. Man, I would have sliced her nose clean off. Because they're trying to help, right? Ah, the future prom queen will be fine. But it slowly devolves into them... Talking blip. about the word blip, 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 and it loses all meaning. But you know what, Kathleen? The final point of Argyle and Jonathan's masterful dissertation God. is the most true. That in the cosmic scheme, this is all a blip. Well, our our whole lives exactly. are just a blip. Oh, exactly. Boy. Okay. They're right in the end, oh, babe. They're right here in the end. We go. It's all a blip, babe. Anyways, they slowly pan out to Eleven and her internal struggle, mm-hmm. and then it just like it. You go from their blip blip song to like this opera oh. song, and then we're right there, boom, in the buyer's house, and who's there? Murray. Murray. Hope your kids like risotto. Another amazing scene. 
do. I just, I love Murray. He's so funny. He gives us the comedic relief Mm -hmm. that we need after all of the heavy stuff that we experienced this season. I love this whole dinner as (laughs) as Joyce is trying to tell them that she's going to Alaska. On a business trip. On a business trip. I love that her and Murray have clearly prepared (laughs) this conversation, but Joyce improvises the... I'm going to the Alaska, what does he say, for the Britannicas? Yeah, you know, Joan and Brian Britannica. <laughs> the kids miss that. By the, there are no Britannicas, okay? The Britannica first came out in like the 1700s. There's so many good lines, too. Like Jonathan is super high saying to Argyle, can you hand me the olive oil? Oh, olive oil? And he's just like, it's wine, yeah. man. Jonathan, does he ever get to be the comic relief at no, any point in the previous... The first time that he is funny in the entirety of Stranger Things. I was cracking up and because they talk about the Alaska thing and then it's like one minute later and Jonathan's like, wait, Wait, what? what? (laughs) And Jonathan and Argyle do a great job. We've talked so much about how hard it is to act high, you know, but it's also good writing because Mm. high characters, I wanted to point out like Argyle and Jonathan, they don't miss everything. They don't miss everything. There are many cases which a character says something to the Jonathan and Argyle who are high and they just understand it. You know, it's like yeah. not everything has to be like the character yeah. being like completely burned <laughs> out, man. Well, I also love the interchange between Murray and Argyle. Yeah. Like, first off, Murray is like, who is this? Yeah. And then, you know, Argyle is explaining what happened earlier in the day. This girl got smacked at the roller rink. And Murray, smacked? <laughs> 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 Vicious skate attack. Skate attack? <laughs> like, it's just so He's repeating funny. it. I love his repeat. <laughs> there's so much going on in this scene because Eleven and Mike are, are sulking and will. Yeah. Like, there's so much. Yep. So you're like, supposed to be feeling that, but it's like, it's just so funny. Uh, Murray starts to, you know, feel inadequate about his risotto. And then <laughs> Argyle for the win. This risotto is schmacking, dude. <laughs> just... Oh, it's yeah. a great scene. One of my favorite. I think all of the scenes that are Murray heavy mm-hmm. are, I love them in this season. You love Murray. Oh, right. he's so funny. The dinner scene is one of the best of the season. I really, we, really I feel really like we could it. talk for quite a bit we about could. it. We should probably move on. Yeah. Well, let's go to the next morning. Will and, uh, so Joyce and Murray are, are leaving. Will and Mike are watching the Ewoks cartoon. Jonathan says, why don't we go to Police Academy 3? Will says, it sucks. And Mike brings up his, some egos to 11. And then we, we talk about that fight. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, this really, though, this is such a deep scene. And I almost chose it for my feeler moment. But I ended up choosing something that was just like a little bit more unexpected. Yeah, yeah Mike says, you know, hey, I've. I, why didn't you tell me you weren't doing well here? I could have helped. I've been bullied my whole life. And Eleven says, no, it, it's different. And Mike, you know, so, okay, how, what, what don't I understand? And Eleven says, just the most crushing line of the season. I am different. I don't I belong. I do not belong. Here. I, I am different. I do not belong. You mean in Lenora? Anywhere. Anywhere. That's just, man, that is so crushing. And we, we called El Naive. Last episode about mm-hmm. how she's going to keep up this lie. But unfortunately, she's not in her element. Her element is being in a locked room <laughs> in a yeah. lab being experimented on, you know, and, and she she went to Angela and she solved things the only way she's ever solved anything mm-hmm. through violence. Yeah. And she's recognizing that here. 
And she really is right. I mean, uh, uh, we've all at some point in our lives felt like we didn't belong, like imposters within our lives. But in her case, she really is so different from everybody she's been surrounded by the last eight months. Like she really, truly doesn't belong. Mm -hmm. And she's she's saying like, you know, you're scared of me. You're scared of me. And Mike says, no, no, I'm not. I care for you so much (laughs) and that says that's the wrong thing to say absolutely (laughs) as as you know a woman and oh gosh i shouldn't even go down this road go down it well i just i feel like oftentimes in my life i've encountered men who felt like they couldn't show their emotions and how frustrating frustrating it could be as a woman like come on you just tell somebody how you feel is I know. Go yeah, uh, yeah. I wrote down when this when we entered this scene. Why doesn't Mike just open up the windows and say, "I love you, Jane, Eleven, Eleanor, Hopper," and you know just shout it out to everybody? Uh, but we do get kind of a, a what I feel is a very adequate explanation. Yeah, absolutely. Later in the season, when Mike is basically you know saying, "We'll talk about that." He, he doesn't think he deserves it. Yeah. He, you know, he is, is he just the first person to show kindness to Superman? You know, does he deserve to be an equal to this superhero? So th- that adds, that adds some weight to the scene in mm-hmm. rewatch. I, I felt, but she does have the receipts <laughs> from Mike, <laughs> from Mike, from Mike, from Mike. <laughs> it's such a sad, I mean, we're laughing about this now, but it is such a sad scene. Her who's felt ostracized, who feels like she doesn't belong, who's lost her powers. Now she feels like she's losing her boyfriend Mm -hmm. who can't tell her how he feels. And obviously he, he said it at some point because she just said, you don't ever say it anymore. He says it in the season three. He says it in the season three epilogue after she says it first. Okay. Oh, you're right. Yep. He does. say. And he also says it when she thinks she, she isn't listening. And then he starts go- going on and on about how incredible she is, but it's just emphasized by the fact that even though he says all of those things, there's nobody like you, you're a superhero, he still won't say it. Yeah. It's just so sad. Eleven is then arrested <laughs> later. <laughs> uh <laughs> just went right into that. Right one. into that. They knock on the door. No guardian, but they're still going to arrest Eleven. They have that. When they put her the cuffs on her, it makes sure to get the shot of her her tattoo, yeah. her Eleven tattoo. And Mike is Mike is at a fever pitch because he knows what this is doing to Eleven. You know, someone who who more than many others might have serious confinement issues. Uh, mm. And the shot of L looking back as Mike stands in the road, you know, just with his hands on his head. Oh no. You know, it just there to leave on that fight and then have this arrest is, is crushing. Yeah. What did you think the police officers thought about her tattoo? Honestly, the police the officers, delinquent. <laughs> yeah, the police officers make some huge assumptions here. First of all, have they never heard of a of a of a bullying incident going wrong? Like they've never heard of it before. They're like, what uh, happened? Right, <laughs> and it's exactly. I mean, I I have watched, uh, I, I've read up a little bit on interrogations and mm-hmm. how how police officers, detectives, or whatever handle these situations, and they usually come at it in a 
in a way of compassion in order to allow the perpetrator to open up. They do not do that in her case. I mean, my my assumption here is that Angela has a rich, well-connected daddy who maybe is on the force, to be honest, like because they're asking her, did you want to kill her? What is that? A standard question? Did you want to kill her? Like and she answers, no, I don't know. Eleven. (laughs) Jesus! <laughs> I mean, I think in this situation for how severely Angela was hurt, okay. I think it uh, is a valid question. We did talk about but that. Yeah, yeah, when she says, I don't know. And it's like, even that moment is so emotional because like, she feels like a monster. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know. Maybe she did want to kill her. She's yeah. so unsure of herself. And she's so like honest sometimes. I was worried that she was just going to be like, no, I didn't want to kill Angela, but I've killed Dozens of goons, guards, <laughs> authority fingers, figures just like you. Authority fingers. Authority, yeah. <laughs> but I've, I've killed like, you know, at least like 14 people on screen here in the last three seasons. And they were all guards and police officers just like you. Snapped their necks, threw vans on top of them, hurled, uh, hurled display cars at them. They're all dead. <laughs> Eleven has murdered <laughs> And you've actually brought that up while we've watched previous seasons. She just she just killed those guys. They're dead now. Yeah, they are dead. Uh, so we'll circle back to 11 at the end uh, of the episode here because it kind of all blends in. So let's kind of go around the horn here. You want to want to go to uh, to Russia to to Russia and Alaska. Alaska. <laughs> so Joyce and Murray are on their way to Alaska. Murray's trying to comfort Joyce by saying, yes, you did the right thing. You left your children at home. And then, as you said in the beginning of the podcast, you stole the line from me. (laughs) This way, what? They play too much Nintendo, eat too much junk food, smoke some ganja, pound some beers, experiment sexually. And Joyce is just getting more and more (laughs) horrified. And he's like, oh, I'm making her feel better. (laughs) How is this comforting? But he does have a good point. The kids have a tendency to get involved, you know. Oh yes, (laughs) and they we they land and uh, there's not really much. That's pretty much the last that we see of Joyce and Hopper in this. And and excuse me, Joyce and Murray in Mm -hmm. this episode. Yeah, they don't do much in this. The only other thing they do is they arrive in Alaska. Welcome to Alaska. Murray goes, Oh God, (laughs) this is spring. Well, let's, Everything he says uh, is so funny. What so, we do see is from from the plane, we actually pan down to, to Russia, where we get that shot of Hopper working on the railroad, which is that which is the shot that we got in February of 2020. Yep, Ooh. you see them pan to his face, and he takes his hat off. Yep, mm-hmm. that's the scene. Little did we know at the time we'd have to wait 27 months before seeing it again. <laughs> Not crazy. Twenty-seven months from that teaser trailer to the to the release of Stranger Things three. Obviously, due to the COVID pandemic. So this, um, I actually liked this episode a lot more rewatching it to prepare for this podcast. Yeah. But this was my least favorite episode because of all the stuff with Hopper. It was mm. so uncomfortable to watch everything that he goes through. He's First off, he's in prison still, no happiness in sight. Mm. Enzo comes to tell him that your friend Joyce is coming, which is supposed to be a happy thing, except for 
Hopper finds out that it's a criminal that's going to yeah. like meet up with them. I thought Enzo made a good point. Who who do you want doing this job? Gandhi? I mean, you want a criminal, right? Yeah, but still, like <laughs> Hopper feels like crap, and then mm-hmm. he gets like beat up. Yeah, well, well he 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 recruits. This leg hit. What, what is going on here? What is I know, he doing? I know. You hated this moment. I obviously... I didn't, I didn't understand it. Can you explain? What is he doing? What does he want to do? He wants to either break the shackles that are on his legs or manipulate them in a way, as we see later, to be able to slip them off of his feet so he can escape. But he and can't he break them because they check them, right? So he, he knows they can't break. That's what confuses me. That you know, that is a little bit confusing, I guess. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe he had a backup plan if it did break. I don't know. Yeah, I get. I mean, he at first I thought they were he was trying to break his ankle so he could be like double jointed to get it out. Ugh, but God. but you explained they were trying to bend the metal. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do. Yep, Collateral so. damage to the leg. Be damned. Damn, I had to skip <laughs> through this. I I could not rewatch it. I could barely watch it the first mm-hmm. time. Ugh. And when then you see him it? later <gasps> when he peels it off his leg and you see like the gash on his leg, the pain that he's feeling. Ugh. I just, I hated it. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Oh, well, that is, that's all for Hopper in oh Russia. God. He's, we know that he needs to, he, we know that he needs to escape, but we don't know how he's going to do it. So, because Enzo's not helping him do that part, right? No. Enzo or Dmitry Antonov or whatever says, you know, you, I don't know what you're going to do, but there's a plane waiting for you. Good luck. Right. Spoiler alert. Thank God Hopper's got some happiness coming to him. Yes. Yeah. And rewatch. I know this is hard for you. Just spending so much time with Hopper in pain. All right. Let's go to Hawkins, Indiana. The gang is kind of gathering back up there. They're at the boathouse. Dustin's super paranoid, (laughs) freaked out. Dustin's. We just got to find Vecna, kill Vecna and prove Eddie's innocence. Oh, that's it. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty much it. Also, they're one hundred percent convinced you killed Chrissy. <laughs> yeah, right. Gosh, so Eddie, like, how does he feel better about any of this information? Because the, really, he's like just had his first taste of like the supernatural, yeah. and he still can't believe that any of this is real. Let alone that they would be capable of doing all the things that Dustin yeah. says have to be done. I love the show's sort of like self-awareness of its own rhythm it's like we're in the brainstorming phase we usually have this girl with superpowers but you know we got to do this part first <laughs> yeah. and uh, they didn't even know. need to like say that part <laughs> I know, but i i like that i was expecting to be like we got to go get mr clark because that's right. around now is when we need him to sort of explain a science thing to us you know i just i, I applaud stranger things for taking one of the main issues which is the repetitiveness you know, of the kids figuring it out and making it part of the show. Part of one. Don't worry, Eddie. We got this. We got this. You have nothing to worry about. And how about that hit to your visuals with another shot of Fred's mutilated body? Oh, why does it always have to do that? (laughs) The shock factor. (laughs) I guess Gotta keep you on your toes. I guess so. Uh, They hear the sirens going by and he's got to get under the tarp. And but they're not. They're not going to find Eddie. They are going to Fred's horribly disfigured mm-hmm. body in the road. You know that moment <laughs> when Nancy looks up and she sees them all pull yes. up? 
it's the it's the look of like relief that my friends are here that I've like gone through all this terrible stuff with before, but also like the sadness mm. that it's not over. Mm. That she just watched somebody she knew, I mean she found somebody she knew died horrifically and the upside down is not gone. Yeah. Nancy does a great job. What you Mm -hmm. explained it perfectly. There's like relief that they're there, but sadness that it's still going. And that's exactly right. So they go to the trailer park to a, to a picnic table there. And they're kind of discussing the theories. Vec man, the freaky wizard is attacking with a spell (laughs) or a curse, you know, trying to figure out what Fred and Chrissy have in common. I love Steve's like, well, they had the trailer park in common, uh, should we not be here? <laughs> I know that moment. <laughs> I love it, and I love Dustin's annoyance at Robin getting all the names wrong. Dustin, over <laughs> over the course of four seasons, he's like, uh, "We're trying to build a world here. They're demo dogs, okay? It's the mind flare, okay? It's Vecna. <laughs> Jeez, come on, people! <laughs> but they're gonna they make a plan. They make a plan. They split up. Uh. Nancy and Robin are going to go to the library to on Nancy's hunch about Victor Creel and Max and the rest of them are going to go to ask Steve and Dustin wipe your shoes off yeah on the outside (laughs) they're going to go to get information from the counselor about maybe more that Fred and Chrissy uh Steve wants to go with Nancy right Mm -hmm. and and Dustin calls him out about it too so they well I'm skipping apart here but of course they go to the counselor's house and drop Max off yeah. um, but they're sitting in the car waiting for Max and Dustin is not going to let this go dude basically you're still in love with mm-hmm. Nancy and of course Steve is in complete denial yeah you <laughs> were gawking yeah everybody saw it there were tons of witnesses yeah so let, let's follow Nancy and Robin first, then we'll come back to, to the Max and Miss Kelly thing. And then we got a circle to Lucas and the basketball team as well. We got a lot going on in Hawkins here. Yeah, I liked the subtle annoyance that Nancy plays. Um, she plays it very well. And Robin's character also, it's exactly how you think she would react in this situation. She's like, you know, talking way too much because she's like uncomfortable and she can tell that Nancy is annoyed. (laughs) She tries apologizing to Nancy. That doesn't seem to be working. Nancy's still, you know, passively aggressive towards her. Mm -hmm. Um, They continue on and then she's like, oh, it must be Steve. I, you know, tells her that there's nothing between her and Steve. Like, I just love that whole interchange. Like Nancy says hardly anything, but she also says so much with her silence. Yeah. And Robin is just going normal guy, dead family, missing eyes. Nancy, yeah. what are we, what are we looking for? Exactly. Just I don't know. <laughs> she says like, I don't really have a filter. I don't pick up on social cues. I do have to say, does this feel like the same Robin as season three? It to me, I had to adjust a little bit because Robin in season three was like, you know, my ears are little geniuses. Way to go, dingus. You know, how many children are you friends with? You know, she was the one who was too cool. She was the one who was cooler than all them. So for her to be like the dork and the doof with Nancy, I had had a tough time like adjusting to that. You're right. I guess I was comfortable with it because uh, we kind of started off with her and her discomfort having this crush on another girl and Mm -hmm. not knowing how to express that and like Mm. feeling her self-consciousness from that. I think that allowed me to see that like oh, okay this seems true to robin's yeah. character but you're right it is so different from yeah, season three yeah I, I i've had a had i've had time to adjust to that but at first i was thinking that but nancy totally is mad at robin for steve right 
Like that is why Nancy is annoyed. Oh, yes. I think so. Because she, she, she even says like, "Why don't you call Steve?" Mm-hmm. You know, she there's definitely some jealousy there. Like absolutely, Nancy, there's jealousy Nancy, there. Nancy, Nancy. Yeah, um, but. Robin saves the day. Mm-hmm. She comes with her, you know, genius, her ears who are yeah. little geniuses. She sees the, she remembers about that old, obscure, offbeat newspaper. Newspaper tabloid. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh my God, this is where we should be looking if we're looking for some sort of crazy supernatural story. And she nails it. They find Vecna's story um, that he you know, tells everybody that it's a demon that's come and killed his family. Great little reading by her doing the the headline as a joke. And Nancy's like, very funny. And she's like, I'm not joking. Like there's good acting, uh, uh, just a good line reading there that I really loved. Yeah. All right, Mac, let's pop over to Max and she's going into Miss, Miss Kelly's house. Uh, she's, we flashed the battle of Starcourt for a minute. You know, she's like, kind of like, grieving Billy, um, but she changes the subject to Chrissy. And I do love that Max calls out Mrs. Kelly or Ms. Kelly or whatever when she says, like, um, you know, you you wouldn't want me to share Chrissy's details with you, you know, and Max is like, if I were dead and it would help find the killer, yes, I would. (laughs) Like, I love that. Well, and from our point of view, seeing these characters, knowing everything that they know, we're like, absolutely, that's the right answer. But props to the counselor, the mm-hmm. therapist, who's like, I'm not going to share somebody's private confidential information. She doesn't know about all this stuff. Yeah. To her, the right thing to do is go to the police. Yeah, Not I, tell a 14-year-old <laughs> girl... <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess I'm like thinking in, from perspective of, of what everything we know. But I also just hate the, you wouldn't want me to do that to if it were you in your place, right? Like, I so passive aggressive. Just say no. you're not going to do it. Just say you're not going to do it. She does you say she's not going to oh, do it. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. All right. Get all right. Over Miss, it. Kelly, Miss Kelly has been yeah. successfully defended. Fine. Yeah, but when Max <laughs> realizes she's not going to get anywhere, she just goes and steals her keys. Yeah, and why does she like um, book it out of there? <laughs> Well, Doesn't because she, she just stole her keys. But she could have like went to the bathroom, grabbed her keys, and then just from the top of the stairs been like, okay, Miss Kelly, I got to go. Sorry, my mom's calling me. Every few, every <laughs> moment that she remains there longer is a moment mm. she could get caught. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. And she's got a little bit of a ticking clock since she well, thinks other people are going to die. And she's an angsty teen, like to the therapist, <laughs> she's an angsty teen. Uh, oh, you know, Max. okay, oh, she, I guess she just left. <laughs> but, uh, okay, let's go to these keys. That's a serious effect. And you have to assume that um, the therapist, what's her name? Miss Kelly. Miss Kelly does eventually realize that her keys are stolen mm. and does put two and two together that it's Max's that did it. What are going to be the ramifications? Do you think she gets off scot-free because she almost dies in the hospital? Or I think that's oh, the... Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, I mean, that's their fault by this point. Yeah. Um, I think the reason Vecna snaps Max Bones later is because of this key stealing incident. <laughs> okay. I think Miss Kelly is in on the take. Miss <laughs> Kelly's like right there behind Vecna, whispering, Get get Max. Henry. Henry. <laughs> get Max. She's she's also some she's, sort of somehow Vecna as yeah, well. She's Vecnis. Vecnis. <laughs> I don't I don't know. <laughs> let's let's go. Um and Dustin is, by the way, aware how much of a criminal <laughs> offense this is because he's he mentions it on the walkie-talkie oh, to yeah. robin robin's Absolutely. like wait come come again <laughs> some highly <laughs> sensitive and personal information all right let's go to lucas and the basketball team 
still at Benny's. What did he just like spend multiple? He must have spent multiple nights there because you see him wake up and walk out to see the Jason group. Yeah, the douche group. I don't know what we're calling them. Douchebag group is great. Douchebag group or basketball Ooh. team. Um, is this what we wanted for Benny's diner? No, absolutely <laughs> not. We only had Benny for a short amount of time in season mm, one, yeah. but he is beloved. He is, he is beloved. beloved. He was a and great. How dare they? Bis- <laughs> what did, how do you how do you say it? besmirch his legacy? His legacy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Lucas is like unsure. Jason's like, hey, you know, we're gonna go kill Eddie. He's gonna poop his pants and stuff like that. But Jason's <laughs> gonna poop his pants. Just narcissistic attitude. Like, hey, you'll we're still be killers. you'll still be one of us. You know, we're just gonna you we're just gonna to beat him up. Here. You know, and it's like the most important thing we're in the not world. Killers. The most important thing to the world to Lucas from Jason's perspective is being one of us. You know, well, like, and that is truly what he's grappling with in ooh, this Lucas? season. Lucas, oh, well, yeah. yeah. So he really does feel that way. You see that in several scenes. Now, did you think, did you ever at any point think that Lucas was going to betray his friends and mm. like move over to the other side? You know, I was definitely at least thinking it was possible because Lucas has always been kind of the one to to think, you know, like we could do better. We could. I mean, he says that at the beginning, you know, that, hey, you know, I don't want to be bullied anymore. Um, I was at least thinking it was possible, especially this early in the season that he could betray and then later return. Mm -hmm. So I I felt that I I never truly thought that he would really have any big betrayal of them i they definitely hint at betrayals through especially through this episode but you know lucas if you guys have been listening from the beginning from season one when we started doing these podcasts he it took a long time for lucas the character to win me over i didn't really like him as much i thought he was mean but I like I now love him. He's one of my favorite characters and I just think he's very loyal to his friends mm-hmm. and he's definitely going through this crisis, this identity crisis going through puberty and making yeah. new friends and wanting to be popular, but his alliances are always going to mm-hmm. be with his friends. Yeah, I I agree. I'm really glad that he didn't cuz it makes sense. His his loyalty, he is very discerning. You know, like he, I mean, he is the one who says like 11 might be tricking us. She might actually be evil in season one. So you do, he was the antagonist for Mm -hmm. a little bit in season one. So you can kind of believe this in season four that maybe he does it. Um, I did, but uh, he does go with them and uh, they go to Eddie's band and Eddie's not there. They beat the hell out of the lead singer. Yeah. I don't even remember what their names are, but. Just the three Hellfire guys who I yeah. like. I like them all, but they beat Dustin's name on it in the look of foreboding. Uh, yeah, Where, who's Lucas's Dustin? Face. How can we find this Dustin Henderson? Yeah, and Lucas is like, oh. Damn it, Dustin. <laughs> I know. But then this is where you really see that, okay, he's not hes not going to betray his friends because they get to Dustin's house mm-hmm. and he runs into the back of the house and breaks into Dustin's room to contact them. To be on, I mean, I am, I, maybe I'm just dumb, but I really didn't know for sure that Lucas wasn't going to betray until I saw him lead them to the cabin. No, I mean, I think the Duffer brothers perfectly put in all of this conflict to make it seem like Lucas was going to completely betray yeah. his friends. They got me. They got me. Uh, in the middle of this, as they're riding in their car, the basketball team, the douche group, as you called them, uh, 
Vecna connects to Patrick. Yeah. And going back to the the Nancy group, Nancy and oh, what the are trailer park. I don't know. The Hawkins gang, Scooby gang. A lot of people call them the Scooby gang because of the relations to Nancy as Daphne, Robin mm-hmm. as Velma, Steve as Fred, mm-hmm. Eddie as Shaggy. Mm-hmm. I guess okay. Dustin as Scooby Doo. I don't know. I don't know. How, I don't know Scooby how it all gang. works. Okay. <laughs> well, the Scooby game is um, this scene comes when Nancy and Robin are leaving together, and you know the rest are leaving together, and then the scene slowly morphs into the ceiling at Eddie's trailer. Mm. The crack starts getting bigger. Then we see Vecna suspended by the vines in that. I just thought it was a really interesting scene where he's searching consciousnesses, Mm -hmm. searching these kids for the right one, the right amount of guilt. Yeah. And he lands on Patrick and it snaps to them Mm -hmm. in Jason's car. He suddenly gets a horrible headache and his nose starts bleeding. It was just really cool the way they did that. Yeah, And we hear a little bit of his abusive father as, as they go, as Vecna goes into his mind. So that's, that's what's up with Patrick. Yeah. And I, yeah, as, as Vecna, you know, hooks to the Wi-Fi, the tentacles <laughs> upside down Wi-Fi, um, I now knowing why he's searching for distress, you know, he's looking for those minds who will put up less resistance, who won't be able to take us to the snowball, yeah, you know, I like Max does. so vindicated. And I know. So you were right. Vindicated. You were right. I thought it was more of a location thing, but no, yeah, it was I about... I said it. Go back and listen to our podcast in season three when mm. we're talking about Billy. When I said that, you know, Mind Flayer, he has a stronger connection to people that have like, you know, deep negativity or strife going on in their lives. You know, I actually deleted that and then re-recorded it as my own voice. <laughs> <Dang> good call. <laughs> okay. No, good call, my wife. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we. Okay. I, after I just said that I never thought that Lucas was going to betray them. Mm-hmm. Um, when he tells them he knows where Eddie is hiding. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I so- did have a split moment where I was like, no, he's, they're not going to have him do this. They can't have him betray their friends. Yeah. I, that's where I thought it yeah. happened because he had, Lucas breaks into Dustin's house Mm-hmm. And he talks to them. They say that they know where Eddie's hiding. They tell him he's on like Oak Mill Road or whatever, whatever they say. So mm-hmm. Lucas does know where Eddie is when he comes out of that house and yep. tells them he knows. So I, I definitely felt that. Yep. And um, then you just that huge sense of relief that you feel when you see the shot of mm-hmm. Elle's old cabin, Ellen Hopper's old yep. cabin. Yeah. Ugh. And Lucas okay. running away. Yep. Yeah. Sorry guys. I, I, with all the confidence that I was a hundred percent behind Lucas just to admit <laughs> moments later hey. that I had doubt. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> and I wanted to point a little thing out, but after Vecna has got those vines in him and he's hooking to Patrick and we just spend so we like, we spend so long with Vecna there as we watch the, the, the things like kind of like violently inject into him and we watch the things slowly pan up and just the run times allow for us to really like settle into these things Mm -hmm. after Vecna does that and he is uh he's hooked up and and deconnecting from the wi-fi we get and I shit you not nine seconds of the sun now, seriously, wow. go go back and watch it, everybody. After Vecna gets out of the thing, we're just looking at the sun 
for like nine seconds. Oh. <laughs> it's hilarious to me. <laughs> I just love I how we... I didn't catch that. <laughs> oh, going back to that scene, though, the way that the vines are aggressively like injecting into his body... Mm-hmm. That was, if you listen to like our reactions podcast we did after watching season four, yeah. that was why I did not think that Vecna was basically all of the upside down mm-hmm. because I felt like he wasn't fully in control in that moment. The vines are like piercing his body. I didn't think that that was him yeah. doing that to himself. I, I think it's still possible though. It's still possible, you know, that he that he's given the upside down instructions, but it's also getting something from him. Yeah, I I really want it to go that way. Yeah. I don't want Vecna to be the all encompassing villain. Yeah, of Stranger well, Things. Well, we will talk about that a lot more as we do <laughs> as we do chapter nine. Um, okay, so Lucas is leading the kids to the cabin. Max, Dustin, Steve, they are in the. Uh, Miss Kelly's office committing what is surely a felony reading through these personal files and we're coming up on the final scene and yeah and 11 is being transported to juvenile detention without any guardian sign off by the way it cannot Uh, be legal yeah no how can that be legal (laughs) It it just can't I don't know but it's okay because a bunch of military guys pull over the car and we're thinking this is probably good news did you think no, that? No. Oh, God. Because I, I didn't. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, I thought it was Sullivan. She's going to get killed. Yeah, exactly. I absolutely thought it was Sullivan. Wasn't expecting Owens to get out. But as I felt like Owens was the hero in the beginning of this episode, I did have a moment of doubt in this moment that, like, mm. was he somehow sent by the, you know, the government in a bad way. Like, do we fully trust Owens? Yeah. Which I definitely do now, but well, I did have a moment of doubt. And the first person we see isn't Owens. It's no. this woman who it shows from Looks like her feet to her head. Yeah. I remember saying, oh, that's a bad guy. I remember saying yeah, that. Yeah, because the parallels <laughs> to the blonde gal that Eleven kills in mm. season one, yeah. the gal that killed Benny, Benny killed Benny. Rest that in peace, my friend. she like so much looked like that woman. I mean, mm-hmm. like the way she's dressed, the way she's presented, yeah. um, that I, that's why I thought it was evil. Yeah. <laughs> I thought she was bad. I think that makes total sense. And they kind of wanted us to think that. And Owen, we still grappling with is Owens good or bad or medium? You know, we... I think the show still plays with that, especially since Owens uh, is played by Paul Reiser, who did the betrayal in Aliens. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Dr. Owens takes Eleven to the diner, which, by the way, I'd just like to ask, are any of the other people hungry? Only That's not their job. Their job is to keep Eleven and Owens safe. Okay, well, there's a diner right there. The purpose they're there is (laughs) not not to eat. The purpose is to have somewhere to sit down. Okay, but they do, they do order, though they don't eat. Yeah, because you can't just go to a diner and sit there and not order anything. Okay, it okay. wouldn't be natural. Come yeah. on, Miles. Eleven does leave those waffles sitting there. By the way, she leaves Mike's Egos sitting there earlier. So Eleven she ditches, not she ditches a, a total of four to five waffle slash Egos in wow. this episode. That's very out of character for yeah, her. See, she's losing herself. We don't know how many she eats okay. off screen. This, this <laughs> final scene was super cool yeah. because you have Owens telling 
11, basically, we need her. Mm -hmm. Your friends are in danger. A a war is coming to Hawkins. (laughs) What a line. It becomes a trailer. Like this this end here just becomes Uh like a trailer. You fought this evil before and you've won. You know, Mm -hmm. and you... I believe you're one of the good ones. And the the audience is giving... We're seeing the season one climax, season two climax. Like, we're... We have to flash back to it because we're so stupid we can't remember it. But Miles hates the flashbacks. <laughs> but we are getting like the stakes. Yeah, and uh, and it's intercut with all of the people that mm-hmm. we care about. It's intercut with Lucas. Yeah, this is where telling Lucas, them he's sure Eddie's yep. there, but then he runs off. And then um, Owens is literally dubbing over, and you see Hopper in prison doing push-ups. He's saying more about how we need Eleven. And then you go to Max comparing the files that she finds on Fred and Mm -hmm. Chrissy and realizing the parallels between what's going on in her own life. And... Like uh, and then you get near the climax and you have eleven. What if I'm not good? What if I'm the monster? Mm-hmm. Just oh my! It all fits together so well, like yeah. a trailer. It like really tra- is. This really feels like this is the this is the preview almost. The 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 setup. And I like that they um, everybody separated. Yep. They but they show everybody mm-hmm. in little clips and it lets you know like they are still important. They're not forgetting anybody. They're all still relevant to the Stranger Things storyline in season four. And then she says, my friends in Hawkins, are they in danger? And Owen says, I'm afraid your friends in Hawkins are very much in the eye of the storm. And that's when Max is popping the pills, nose bleeding, flashbacks to Billy's death. And she turns around there saying, Max, Max, Max. And then Vecna Max and you're like no Max is the next victim (laughs) (laughs) I love the symmetry of episodes one two and three chapters one two and three of this season and it gives weight to the danger that Max is in because chapter one ends with Chrissy hearing Vecna say her name and then levitating her and snapping her bones. Mm-hmm. Chapter two ends with Fred hearing Vecna say his name, levitating and snapping his bones. Mm-hmm. So to have it come to Max at this moment, we've got this rhythm of how kids die. You yeah. know? It's terrifying. Yes. And I, I, I would have thought she's going to die, but I had already seen in the trailer that she had levitated at the graveyard. So I knew Which you were very pissed about that. I, I wasn't. <laughs> Very pissed. No, like, I, I would wasn't say like you were like foaming at the mouth. <laughs> no, it was very disappointing to I'm, you. I, yeah, I'm just kind of bummed. I am bummed about it because I would have rather experienced it. But as soon as Chrissy levitated at the end of chapter one, I knew Max is gonna be one of the right. one of these, and that kind of sucks. Yeah. Um. I, and I do, I do stand by your conviction to try not to watch yeah. trailers. I'm not strong enough to do that. <laughs> I will, but I do think it's the right choice. Yeah. I will not watch trailers for things I know I'm already going to watch. You know, but I will watch. I do watch trailers to decide if I if I want to watch something. I, I think that's fair. But I do love that's the symmetry. Fair. That is fair. That's fair. <laughs> I love the symmetry. And in a binge model, to have episodes one, two, and three have endings that we can kind of all think of immediately, mm-hmm. that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and we cut to black, and we, you know, the Owen speech has ended, and then we do see her see the clock in the dark, and she's... 
and she's walking and is there at the yeah. at the end of the Vecna high school hallway. Says, Max, one more time, Max. and then it goes silent, and then you just like see a quick flash of Vecna's face. Oh yeah. Ugh. And that's meant to stab us. Like, oh yes. no, one of, one of our main <laughs> characters is in mortal peril. They're trying to hurt us yeah, this they season. Are, they they are. are trying yeah. to hurt us. That was a stab. <laughs> okay, are you ready for... We'll, we'll round out the episode, every episode, with a feeler moment, music moments, and a final question. Hit us with your feeler moment, Kathleen. All right. Well, this was a tough one. There was lots to choose from, but ultimately, I decided to go with Lucas in the moment... <laughs> Miles is pumping his fist. He's super excited. Um, but it's the moment when the uh, Jason and them get to the Hellfire team members. Band practice. Thank That's you. That's Corroded Coffin. Put some respect on their name. Sorry. Okay. Corroded Coffin. And uh, Lucas denies knowing knowing them at all. Mm. And I, I mean, I don't. I wasn't angry in Lucas at Lucas in this moment because I can really relate to that. I wasn't super popular. I did have a lot of friends that were popular, but I always like was wanting to be in the popular group. And I feel like you do get those moments where the popular kids are making fun of kids that you are actually friends with in another context Mm. and feeling like you should be sticking up for them, but you don't because you're afraid that, you know, your popular friends won't like you anymore or you'll be shut out of the popular crowd. Uh, So I could really relate to that moment and it was just super sad. And then you also feel sad for the Hellfire members when he denies knowing them and they're like, what? What are you talking about? We're the, friends. The base is like, Lucas, what the hell? Yeah. There's a heart in his It's very, voice. especially for the outsiders who aren't part of the popular crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, they have this friend that's like deciding to leave them to be cool. Yeah. It's just a really super sad moment. Very relatable. Um sat all around. Yeah, and Lucas does recognize, the reason I pumped my fist about this is because I had a Lucas point and I was trying to figure out how to get it back (laughs) into the episode (laughs) here. But Lucas does realize that the nerds are right and the cool kids are wrong before he ever learns that the Upside Down is involved here. He's betraying them, but he does not know the extent of Chrissy's death he, you know, he doesn't know what the ba- the body was all mangled and stuff. He doesn't even know about Fred's death. He makes this decision before he knows the mortal peril of the Upside Down. He learns that in, in the next chapter, yeah. I believe. But even as he's doing it, you can see on his face he knows that what he's doing is wrong. Yeah. Which is why true. it's so sad. Yeah. That's a great call. All right. Music moments. First, I just have to go with what you called out earlier. This great c- contrast of John. You're Jonah- welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this contrast of Jonathan and Argyle singing the blip song, blip, 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 with the subtitles called Jaunty Music that lead us into this operatic piece that Murray has put on while he while he makes the risotto. And what I love about it is it's not a hard cut transition. The blips are actually sharing the space with the opera music for about seven to eight seconds. So let's listen to it here. Little blip. That's a funny word, man. Blip. 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 
And the reason they're able to do that is because we get this emotional moment with Eleven staring out the window in pure misery, and so it can kind of fade and muddy and reverb a little bit. Uh, the the blips can to to kind of make room for this opera, so it all kind of fits together, and I I just really like it. You kids like risotto? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my other music moment is the music under Owens's speech to Eleven in the diner. There's mm. this very beautiful soaring vocal part that comes in. And I actually had this as something I had, had cut from our Battle of Starcourt episode because I knew it would be back. When Owens shows up in the Battle of Starcourt, chapter eight of season three, I had planned to talk about it as those helicopter, helicopters come across uh, to, to, to the mall. Uh, we hear these angelic voices, almost like, almost like elvish like Arwen and Gladriel of Lord of the Rings, like singing these little parts here. Um, and I don't know if that's like Owens' theme or whatever, but as he says, like, you know, what if I told you I could bring back your powers? That elvish overseer vocal comes back as he talk and talks. And obviously that's that's not a, a common thing for Stranger Things. Let's, let's listen. I believe they're wrong. I believe you're the cure. And that's why if we're really going to do this, I'm going to ask that you leave with me now. The reservation is under buyers. But you should know there is a very real possibility this program fails. And if it does, you will never see your friends again. Just that. You know, it's really, I recognized that music and I knew it played in the previous season, but I couldn't remember where I was thinking it played around Billy, maybe Mm -hmm. around his death, but I, I just couldn't remember exactly when it was. It's a great track. The prophecy of the elvish overseer synth, or that must be a real vocal, right? It must be. It sounded be. real to me. Yeah. Um, we also have the driving synth as always. But what's interesting too is that that part, that, ooh, ooh, you know, that little part there becomes an electric guitar when they start talking about Max. Oh, so really? Let's, let's listen to when it starts pivoting to Max. <laughs> Grind at the Billy. <laughs> so yeah, it's damn good. It's a very interesting ending to an episode. It really is, and you, I think you captured it perfectly. It does play like a trailer. I mean, it does <laughs> seem like you're you're watching a trailer for the rest of Stranger Things or for the rest of season four. Yeah. That's what it's like. All right, final question. Now that Eleven has gone with Owens and Joyce and Murray have joined the Russia plot. Now we have the four very separate plots are in place that matching the promotional poster. You know, we had, uh, you know, there's like four different, um, uh, there's like a gate in the middle and there's like four different groups of characters facing the the middle. You know what I'm talking about? Eleven. Um, 
I had to get a reminder. Mm-hmm. I, I I totally forgot about that until you actually asked this yeah. question. Yeah, it's kind of like the official poster. E- Eleven yeah. is alone looking at the gate on, on tile. The whole Hawkins Scooby gang is, you know, in the Creel house looking at the gate. Murray, Joyce, and, and, uh, and Hopper are, you know, standing on snow and then the California crew. Um, so my question is, now that we know, now that we're in the place that we're going to be for really the rest of the season... How do you feel at the balance of these four distinct plot lines? Are there any that stick out as more or less interesting to you? Mm, uh, well, I definitely don't like the Russia plot line very much, mm. but I don't know if that's, I think it may be more centered around how I don't like seeing all these bad things <laughs> happening to Hopper. To Hopper. <laughs> um, also that I don't like them being so far away from Hawkins and uh, so far away from everybody else. Uh, uh, so is it bad? I don't know. Do I like it? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a perfect answer for you, baby. <laughs> you really, the hopper, you want nice things, nice things. Right? I want nice things. And I, it is crucial to the storyline. So I yeah. can't just say like, oh, they shouldn't have this. I find it all to be very balanced. You know, we have so many great characters. You know, we talk a lot about the run times, but you can't do that without double-digit amazing characters. You know, the, the only yeah. other show I can think of that gets to 10-plus awesome characters that we love is Lost. Mm. You know? Gosh, we need to rewatch that. We do. But if, if you twist my arm and say it is one less than the other, the Russian plot does feel less. It's probably the weakest link because we know for sure that Hopper will escape. He didn't survive the Russian evaporation just to (laughs) To die die, in the prison. So it's kind of like, when, when is that going to happen? Yeah, it takes forever. It takes the entire season. Uh, So I think we're, we're feeling that, but again, it centers around one of our a number one top tier characters, Jim Hopper. So it's not like we're bored watching the screen at that point. Mm So, all right. Well, that's a great question. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I've got a good one for next episode as well. Ooh. Dear Billy will be chapter four. Ooh, tune I can't in, wait to cover that tune one. Tune in for that one, folks. One so of the best good. episodes of Stranger Things history. All right. My name is Miles. I'm Kathleen. And good night.